the cloud broadcast. Hi, and welcome back to the next episode of Live and Learn. And today I'm joined by James in our lively team. Welcome, James. Hello, everybody. Uh, Thanks for coming on. I think we're often spoken, we often speak about how we measure our marketing and how we bring everything together. And I think it's always a challenge when things are done in silo. And we see it so often that um, marketing teams, that's slightly bigger marketing teams, will have different teams, different agencies working on lots of different things. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is just really the importance of the uh, working together, working collaboratively, and not working in silo. Um, and we're going to kick off with uh, what we can see on the screen, which um, is just a, a basic uh, visual for uh, our podcast listeners, which is all around the 7-11-4 rule and the basic of how people can convert and buy or will buy online. Um, and it always surprises me how we, we forget this and we have to sort of remind ourselves of this all the time that you need at least seven hours of content across 11 different touch points across four different channels. And when it's a high price point like a, a b2b service or something that's over like the impulse buy um that 11 touch points often goes up to 18 so i think what we are also going to be covering today is how important it is about creating all of that content but what we're really going to talk about is the touch points and that journey through that digital conversion cycle yeah, yeah absolutely so james let's go on to the next slide and just quickly touch on what we have here, which is like the traditional funnel, where we've got lots of different, lots of things feeding in at the top and looking at how it goes down into smaller areas, into a flywheel of which you then engage, delight and attract more customers. At the top of it, there's so many channels and it feeds down into really small ones at the bottom and you've got that funnel there. So it becomes really fat at the top and sort of really thin at the bottom. And actually the reality of digital conversion cycles is actually the other way around in how you should measure it. So um, James, let's move on to the way that we look at the digital conversion cycle and yes. start with like maybe an overview of how we look at this and why actually it's so different in shape. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, as you say, that the funnel is sort of switched onto its head. And this is because, you know, we can the targeting is a lot more controlled. Um, and it's you can control where people come from, exactly where they're going to go. And instead of it becoming a much bigger funnel, you can be much more precise. Uh, so if we looked at a funnel like this, you know, people coming in from social channels. Um, you can then target them specifically and then move them onto their landing pages. And this is where, for me, it gets really quite exciting because the level of tracking and monitoring you can do uh, for each landing page. So your messages, as you say, go out there. The landing pages can be specific to each environment, but it's also how they're tracked and how the users engage with those. So the word bounced at the top there really does look like a bad thing. and. Uh, it's a renowned thing that uh, people have landing pages with really high bounce rates, um, but the reality of it isn't so. I mean, a good example would be, uh, I logged on to the BBC website at the weekend to cook a perfect roast beef. I logged on, I went straight to the webpage, 
I scrolled up and down the web page. I was on there for uh, half an hour working out what to do, and then I left the website. So because I didn't interact with that website anymore, I'm considered a bounce. So that's why we then split it out now, and we have spent more than 30 seconds. Uh, ideally, in my mind, a bounce is somebody that's less than five. If they're less than five seconds, yes, that's a bounce, you haven't got them. And that's where you start now working with higher engagement. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really important because actually within Google Analytics, you can set yourself goals so that you're actually measuring how many people stayed on for five seconds, up to 10 seconds, up to 15. And there is a section in there, um, albeit it'll be slightly hard to find now because Google has uh, have changed its whole system, which I'm sure we will talk about today, um, that you can look at under 10 seconds, 10 to 15 seconds, 15 to 30 and over 30. And that gives you a really good gauge of what um, is happening within your site and you know below that 30 spent 30 seconds we can then see that we in most sites you are collecting cookies now a lot of sites are collecting cookies they're not doing too much with them um, and I think the power of remarketing um, is often overlooked sometimes in, in SMEs but um, it's actually really powerful so maybe we can just focus a little bit on uh, remarketing in the two different types. Mm. So yes, remarketing is great. Um, and lots of people aren't aware that you can't just remarket. Uh, if you decide you want to remarket, that's something you control at the very beginning of the campaign. Um, as people are visiting the site, as they're going through this journey, uh, they are then cookied and their data is collected and then you can remarket to them later. Uh, there are lots of different platforms that you can remarket from, uh, Facebook and Google being two of the big players covering all of the empire of uh, both their social and uh, video content. Um, that then gives you the ability to market back. Now, uh, we are no, anybody that knows us knows we are, are not big players with display. Display is a, a campaign doesn't really work. But very niche retargeting to people that have already followed the social, they've followed the landing page, they've spent more than 30 seconds, that's a worthwhile investment of time and everything for remarketing. Otherwise, I would suggest that, yeah, that's something that you just push to the side. Because there is that argument, isn't there, that says, oh, well, anyone that lands, any cookie that we get, we should remarket to them. But you could spend quite a lot of time and money doing that, but actually they haven't really engaged. So what are your thoughts on that, like the optimum time? Do you only do it for the people that have been on there for 30 seconds? Can you do a test and learn depending on the brand? Hmm. Definitely under five seconds, you just write off immediately. There's absolutely zero engagement. Then you've got another window, which is um, five to sort of 15 people that are starting to look around, but not truly there. 15 to 30, you've got a better, better mark. However, if we're talking about investment of budget and you really want to go out there and see if this is going to work, over 30 seconds are people that are really truly engaged. And if you sit there and count 30 seconds to yourself, it's actually a very long time, uh, which is why yeah, that 15 to 30 is also a market. But for a trial, I would definitely go above 30 seconds to begin, then move that to the 15 to 30 afterwards. Yeah, sure. The, there's always that argument as well with remarketing and looking at that as a channel in social versus banner ads. And obviously now there is a bit more control over where the banner ads go. Um, personally, we always see a stronger response from social remarketing. Um, and I was just having a conversation earlier actually, which is really interesting that there's still this preconception about whether you should have, a, a if it's not a consumer brand, do they want to then put their social rem their remarketing ads on social versus display ads? Um, I've always taken the mindset of people are people, it doesn't matter what they're looking at. If they're interested in something and you want to just pop up and remind them again, it 
go on both channels, what does it really matter? But what's your viewpoint on it? I agree with you completely, actually. Um, the whole B2C environment has changed. It is changing. If anything, this uh, current coronavirus pandemic that's been going on has made it even more so as people that were considering themselves corporate, spending more time at home and realising there's a little bit more to life. So I think, yeah, doing all marketing to people in all environments is definitely worthwhile. And I think if we can start looking at the statistics after the end of this year compared to the year before, I think they will prove quite significantly that the P2P environment, as we're calling it, uh, is, yeah, is seriously improving. Yeah. And um, what's the best way then for uh, brands and companies to kind of get their... Um, their metrics all sort of in one place so that they are looking at this all in one go rather than I'm jumping into Google Analytics and I'm getting a little bit of information then I'm going into whatever social platform you're looking at then they've got ads going off elsewhere like how do how do you um kind of do that and help people to do that I'm uh, yeah I'm asked this quite a lot actually what <laughs> what single environment can I use to get the data and the answer is there are loads, absolutely loads you can log on to, you can bolt all the thing in, they will give you the information. But that is all they will give you. So the second that you start seeing the information and you think, well, hang on, why did I spike on that day? What, what was sent out on that? Let's go and have a look. Then immediately you're straight out of that package and you're right back to going to the individual solutions themselves. Uh, this is why creating dashboards and environments that you can then review and go more in depth on are significantly better. Uh, the number of times that we have done it, uh, we use Google Console, for example, to um, search people's keywords and the reasons that well, uh, people are coming to your site. And there was an incident a couple of weeks ago where a client had a huge spike on one day and he was just on a simple uh, a tracker and couldn't explain it. So then we lifted up the drains. It turns out that a package similar to what he was selling was mentioned on BBC's uh, Top Gear. And uh, that then drove people all coming to the website for completely the wrong reason. But at least we got to the reason for that spike which actually then led into a new marketing campaign around it itself. Amazing. And I think when, when you first look, when brands and business owners sort of look at this first time, it's a bit like, oh my goodness, we can't approach all of this. And in limited resources and limited budgets, obviously you have to look at this one step at a time. Um, and I think it is a bit chicken and egg, like how where you start. Um, and let's, you know, let's, have, let's maybe jump into to that about where you do start. Um, I think one of the most important things is just starting to get it mapped out. Just start to look at your digital conversion cycle, even if it's only three bubbles at this stage, and then you can gradually add on. I do often often say with our clients is that always try and start with your website because you could start at the top of the funnel where you are, or the side of the funnel for here, where you're pushing into the cycle. But if you're pushing into the cycle to just hit your first chain or your barrier, um, it's kind of a bit of a wasted resource, isn't it? But then, there's the flip argument how do you know what's broken until you start pumping things into it and yeah it is a bit chicken and egg <laughs> i do agree with you i do agree with you um my sort of analogy is if you can think of your a bucket of water that is absolutely everything you do as a market online um where are you going to drop one drop of water to have the biggest ripples and it's slap bang in the middle then the ripples can roll out and that's the way i see it the center of your experience is your website because that's not only the part that's selling you selling your product selling your service it's selling your brand your guidelines so you start with the branding you rebuild that brand off the website and then you can move outwards from there so you can move left into 
the uh, styling of your social, your campaigns, it's gonna be led, you've got your tone of voice set up, you know where your website needs to stand. And that makes it easier to understand the personality that you are going to be socially. It also then moves to the right. So once people have converted on your website and they're going down the funnel and the chain, now you understand, okay, the tone of voice and everything that's brought them in, what we've now got to continue is with that, but more importantly, keep a seamless brand experience all the way through to the very last slide. Yeah, agreed. So if we start with the website and we maybe just hone in on that for, for the rest of this um, time, when we look at where things are going wrong, so we started with, you've got the landing and we look at the bounce. So there is then, if you have got a high bounce rate, anything over 30% for me is too high. Um, once you, and by bounce, we mean has left in five seconds, not the, the Google version of bounce. If you've got them over 30% leaving in under 30 seconds, you've got to look at, first of all, are you driving the right people there? Or is it the bubble before? If you are driving the right people there, the, the home screen or the home page isn't working for you. So we'll often go into what we call the UX, user experience or UI, user interface um, review. Um, and maybe we just touch on a little bit how we do that and how and what yeah. about what that means. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you get, as you say, a high bounce rate of users under five seconds, then immediately that shouts out the messaging on the ads, whether that be wherever they've come from. Uh, is incorrect because people are immediately arriving and not getting the brand experience or they're not arriving and understanding exactly what it is they've just read. Um, the other flip side to that coin is people see a beautiful, and this goes back to what we're saying about starting on the website, people see a beautiful ad that's lovely and focused and gives them exactly what they want and they click through and immediately go, oof, this, is, this isn't what I want at all. So we, what we would do is immediately take a look at it. So if you have got a very high uh, bounce rate, low visibility on the site then we've got to start looking at the ads and trying to understand and then take that journey from the user experience i've sat here and i've looked at this ad why does the website look so different why isn't the journey clear why isn't my cta taking me exactly where i expect it to be and sometimes it really works for people like ourselves who can be outside of the client's business to be able to look at it and say it doesn't work for this reason for that reason for the other um, and this is where we use lots of tools to help generate that uh, journey um, but yeah once we uh, then establish the journey the path to the website then we start looking at the website itself what and this is a phrase that anybody who knows me knows i say all the time what is the aim of the page we have a page what is its goal what do we want this page to do and a number of times people think well i want them to tell them about us tell them a bit about the product offer these services no 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 if people have come from a cta that's, that landing page has to follow the messaging that got them there in the first place. And to be clear, concise, and direct. And 95% of the time, it's very clear that the UX is wrong, the UI isn't delivering. Yeah, amazing. I think, I think that's true, isn't it? There's so much happens where you've got social media going out maybe as a brand experience, and you've got adverts going out that are driving their, their purposes to get them to the, the page. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there where it's, it's about purpose. So even with social, you can have content pillars that are there to gain more followers. That's its purpose. It might be a purpose to drive them to the website. It might be a purpose for brand recognition. And if at the beginning or the side of that funnel, you've actually got its purpose, you can then set out its conversion cycle. And its conversion cycle for every purpose would be different. So let's assume this one, this conversion cycle that we're talking about is about 
getting uh, data capture. So what we want is we want um, more email capture. So social media goes out and its purpose is there to get them onto a landing page. The landing page is not then the home page of the website that is a generic brand experience. It's purely there to drive and capture and nurture that email. So it might be that there's an incentive or there's a downloadable book or it's in exchange. Your email's in exchange for something. It's not just going to come for free. Um, and then that email can then start to go into a flywheel and the email flywheel is then what nurtures it to become a lead or a prospect, however you want to call it. Um, what that then makes it is that this type of work can feel a little bit overwhelming at first, but once you start breaking them down and like with us, we just, you know, duplicate the slide and rebuild it out for each one. We then start to build purpose based on every single type of channel. So when we look at that for a website, for it to be a lead, which is probably the most common thing we get, or I want to um, do social media and paid social media, and I want to drive that through and go to get a lead. Um, that's usually the, our biggest, you know, most breeze. That's what most businesses want to do. Um, so maybe if we just like hone in on that journey specifically and all the different variations and things that can happen within it and how to get, especially how to get them all working together. Yes, uh, I mean, that's a very valid point. Uh, you raised one point there, which uh, I think uh, people just totally forget, which is an email address has a value. And the only way that you're going to get a conversion uh, is by offering them something for that value or the promise of something for that value. Um, a lot of people, a lot of websites will just have the, you know, enter here for a newsletter or it just doesn't cut the mustard. As you say, free books, solutions, free this, free the other, whatever it may be, that's the only way you're gonna get a good solid data capture. Um, I had, we've had one particular client recently where the whole of the landing page was purely about ticking one of three options, entering the email address, and then moving along. And they went to the ultimate extreme of just removing all website navigation and everything, just making a whole dedicated landing page about that, which was fantastic because we'd worked that and started with the landing page. So then we could work the journey into the flywheel and the journey into the social app. Obviously it helps that when you come to an agency like ours, where we can control every single element all the way through, that you get these wonderful seamless brand experiences. And a lot of the times the people coming to us with this exact issue are because they have either one agency or, or James in one department doing social who isn't speaking to Jane in another department who's managed the landing page. And then somebody else is controlling the data capture through a different form in a different system with different protocols and parameters. And then it all becomes very disjointed. And the second it becomes the slightest bit disjointed, people are gone and you've lost your data capture. And, and, and that's a real shame, but that's where we can come in and we can make all of those tweaks and adjust it. And it has to be taken into consideration as part of the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we touched on it before, you know, it, between 11 to 18 touch points, very often I see, uh, oh, we've got social, that's got a link, it's going to a website, not a landing page, it's just going to the homepage, which the homepage wasn't designed for because it's a brand experience, it is the homepage, it's the introduction. Um, and then there's this expectation where well, I've gone from a social post to the home page. I may have gone to one other page and then I'm going to give you my data, which clearly doesn't work. I mean, even with this, with uh, a few touch points in this example that we're talking about, even that I still would say that it was, this is a conversion cycle that will get you data, maybe an appointment, a demo, but not a sale. 
um, because it does need it does need more and more touch points. Um, and I think that's one of the main takeaways of the purpose of this is about really starting to map out your full interactions and the, all the interactions with the brands. You should have multiple slides on this. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to touch on um, it. It does take a bit of time in getting all of the data from all the right places, and you can keep it quite simple. So it might be that okay, in the month of November, social media reached eighteen thousand people, as an example, and from there we then got a four percent click through rate, which went to the landing page. So at that point, we're like, oh, four percent click through. That's quite good. We really like five percent and over as an engagement rate, but click through rate is quite low. But if that's your only thing plugging in the conversion cycle, it might be that in that chain, you actually say, right, actually the month we need to purely focus on higher click-through rates for social because that feeds more people into the top of this funnel. Yes. Then for the landing page, it might be that you say, right, well, actually we've got only 10% staying on 30 seconds. So those are the people we then need, that needs improving. And it's just one step at a time that you can then slowly focus on building and improving, building and improving. Now, with the landing pages and website, we often use things like Hotjar and things like that to record. Um, And these are also free tools that you can take on your own websites. They create videos of how people are using it. So you'll start to see how people are using it, which is always very often different to how you think it's going to be used. So uh, always a good while worthwhile exercise and then engaging with a, a UX, UI designer team that can then help tweak and change that website. Um, very often with this, it's like one step at a time and just keep feeding in. So smaller business, it's just keep working along these funnels and that becomes your marketing strategy or your fixing strategy almost. Um, but James, going back to the area on um, lead uh, generation through this, what other parts of this could we be adding or improving that allows companies to generate more leads from their website? There are lots of different elements that you can do. Um, one of the key elements actually, uh, which has started turning a lot of uh, websites around uh, is the footer. The days of having a boring block at the bottom of your page that does absolutely nothing uh, are gone. Um, one of the things we've been doing a lot more of recently is making footers that brandedly build into the website so you don't even know you're entering the footer. And at the bottom of each page, it's a pleasant environment to be in. And they're, again, reinforcing A, the brand, and B, the ability for further data capture, and C, the ability to click on some of those dedicated landing pages and finding out more specifics. You said about people, the landing pages need to be specific because you're right, but the homepage is your brand. Uh, that's where people will come to find out what's this all about. But the second that somebody comes and says, I want to know exactly this, you've lost them. And the number of times people will bounce around a homepage. So that's where having specific landing pages or senior navigation pages, covering off the specific elements of your business and making them easy for people to navigate to, uh, is also going to help generate further amount of data capture. And the good thing is, as you say, we can then generate the user experience on these watch people browsing the websites, watch people navigating, are they getting down to the foot? So where are they clicking? Um, and then you can expand those areas accordingly. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually. We have, um, we're doing quite a lot on that at the moment with um, footers and, and you know, touching on the kind of data capture bubble. And there's so many ways to capture data now. We touched on like capturing an email and then they go into the email flywheel. And um, 
Then there's also the uh, like WhatsApp integrations now. So what mm -hmm. we're finding is thinking about uh, data capture from the person's point of view. Are you in an app, you know, thinking about how busy people are, are you in an absolute rush from like, I've got a burning brief, I'm really in a rush, I just need to speak to someone right now. And I can click the WhatsApp integration and it goes through. Then there's the forms on the website, which are predominantly not filled out as much anymore. I mean, well, I don't remember the last time I filled out an uh, inquiry form on a website. Um, there's the direct email and there's the phone. But I think just breaking down your data capture and contact sheet into uh, thinking about from the, from the person that's using it, like time related, um, has really helped, hasn't it? We've seen quite a, a big increase in, in data capture through doing this. Yeah, um, you're right. And the WhatsApp element is all goes all the way back to what we were saying 10 minutes ago, which is about the P2P. It's an environment where people understand they feel comfortable. And it also shouts out, you're going to get an immediate response or at least a response very quickly. So changing lots of those touch points of the old fashioned, yes, click the little person who pops up. You don't know whether he's a robot. You don't know what it's all about. Two personal environments like WhatsApp are showing, really starting to show great success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to touch on uh, video. Video, as we know, helps us convert 80% higher than uh, static or any other um, type. We also know that we need at least seven hours of content in the out in the uh, on in the digital world to help us convert online. Where's the best place, if there is a best place, in the conversion cycle? Should video be all the way through? Should there be dedicated channels and, you know, we're, we're directing them at certain points? Like, what do you think? It's an interesting question. Um, and unfortunately, it has a range of answers, which I know nobody likes to hear. Um, if you're offering a service that people are going to log on and use, then using video right at the forefront to give a very simple explanation of it, how it will work, uh, what to expect, is a fantastic idea. If you're offering private membership portals where people are going to log on, register to get into an environment, again, video, and I use the word video to encompass dedicated animation as well, but video showing people using the environment, using the tools, people going in, clearly achieving things is absolutely phenomenal. Um, those obviously wouldn't work in advance of people being on your website. So if you wanted to start with your video in the social channels, just engagement with tree roll and things like that, that's a very great idea. If you're literally trying to get people in to your website and you have a very clear solution and a clear offering, then video comes a little bit further down the line, more as positive brand reinforcement of what you're saying you're going to deliver as opposed to trying to have to lay it out to give people the idea of what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's, on this one that we've set out as a bit of a draft one that we've kind of got watch video after you've gone into the campaign page but really I suppose video does play a part all the way through on different um, pages but we do have to think about time and if you've got 18 11 to 18 touch points each of those touch points have video that's a long journey um so it's always also thinking about if someone has 11 touch points across four different channels and they're doing seven hours of content more than likely going to be at different points. One of the difficult things, uh, which leads me on to one of the difficult things about digital conversion cycles is um, you kind of have to take it a little bit with a pinch of salt because if I'm watching seven hours of content over 11 to 18 touch points over four channels, that's not all happening at once. You haven't got this seamless user experience where you can 
track your customer in. You can track them, but they're going to go out, they're going to go away, etc. So what's the kind of best way for brands to do that? Um, one from a metrics perspective, looking at how they can look at their general metrics to see how things are just going up and down. And then two, from an actual indi- uh, tracking people individually to keep everything yeah. moving. Um, it can be tricky. I mean, lots of the monitoring of the playing of the videos are going to be done within the uh, search engines, within the um, tracking and analysis, analytics platforms themselves, which is a tricky one to get out, isn't it? Um, so, yes, so the likes of uh, uh, Vimeo and YouTube have very detailed tracking analytics, which is great for that. On your website, again, you can use the integration with Google Analytics. Now, Google Analytics has changed recently. Uh, it's made a huge difference. They've changed from what was in 2012. They changed to Universal Analytics, which threw everybody up in arms because nobody knows how to use it. And then as of mid-October, they now changed it to Google Analytics 4. And big surprise, everyone's up in arms trying to work out how to use it properly. Um, but in there, it's, it's quite a clever way of integrating the tracking now where you can monetize the journey through videos. Um, so if a video has cost a certain amount of money to make, whatever it may be, you can actually say, this is how much has been used and that can be then generated into a financial figure, which is very useful. Um, the tracking of that within the website as a whole can be fully integrated into the likes of Google Analytics, uh, or if you've got the budget, you can step up to sort of the Adobe Analytics but they're very similar in the way that they can capture data all the way through this process. Um, if somebody's watching the video, then there's a very good case to say that this is where the remarketing plugin will come in and it will give you the ability to market to them based on the video content that they've seen as well. So it can give you quite a good level of control, but this is where we have to have on those conversations before we even begin, which is what does success look like? If they are going to do this, where are they going to go? If they are going to watch it, once you know exactly the process that you want to track, then setting that up beforehand is phenomenal. It's certainly easier than coming on halfway through a campaign and then trying to cobble something together that just won't work. Yeah, I think it's really true. Like all of this has to start. It's um, the, the next slide I did uh, a few years ago with, uh, to do with sort of business, running a business, was uh, we're all in this uh, team and we all had a pit. Uh, series of post-its and you couldn't talk to each other and you had to draw on the post-its how to create toast right which everyone knew and it was all different versions of it and everyone's like it's creating toast everyone knows how to do it but some people started with going to the shops to get the bread some people started going to the fridge to get the butter some ended it with putting the butter on putting it on a plate and taking it somewhere other people just took it out of the toaster and started eating it so there was this really interesting and what what the outcome was was you looked at Actually, with a process, you need a where does it start and where does it end? Actually, with the digital conversion cycle, it is exactly that. You have to think about the start and the end. But before you do that, it's very much about what is the purpose. And when you really break it down, they do need to get quite granular for this to work because you are still going to need to increase your followers. So there will be follower conversion cycles. There will be data capture cycles to increase your email lists. There will be lead cycles. How do we actually get generate leads into our pipeline? It might be that there's a demo cycle, etc. And when you really break down all the different ways someone can engage with your business or brand, it it opens up all the possibilities, which can, I get, be a little bit overwhelming at first. 
if you just break them down one step at a time, yeah. you can then just build out these plans from there. And obviously, the more details you get and the more you look at the purpose, the easier it will be to fix it um, rather than looking at them two top lines. So like, for instance, the one we spoke about on the screen is um, very top line. And I would say this is not detailed enough, but it was fine for the purposes of explaining the, the conversion cycle. Yeah. Um, well, what I like about it is it may be quite simple, but in between every single element that we're looking at there are not straight lines. It's bubbled lines, they're moving lines. Why? Because it has to have a certain level of fluidity as well. Um, no process is gonna be very simply, as you say, cut, this is where we're going, this is what we're going to do. You have to have a very good vision of the beginning and the end. Something's in the middle, the lines in between that are always gonna be a little wavy. And I think anybody approaching a sort of online campaign like this with very rigid parameters, uh, it's really gonna to struggle to deliver a very good understanding of what we need to achieve, what the goals are, how we're going to do the process. But then on the day, suddenly realize, well, actually, let's invest a little bit more over here. Let's put a little bit more over into this bucket and having that ability to be able to adjust the taps, as you will, uh, to fill up the, the, uh, the process uh, is absolutely essential. Awesome. So, James, for you, what is the kind of key takeaway, the key one thing that uh, if someone's just starting this, that they should uh, focus on? If somebody is going out and doing a campaign right now, uh, I would start out with very simple, what, what is it we're trying to achieve? Let's say in this situation, it's just simple data capture. We want to get an email. Okay, what are we going to give them for that email? Okay, so now we know what we want to achieve and we know the part of the process we're going to get there. So let's start in the middle of this bucket. Let's have a look at what it's going to look like. Create it, have a look at it. Does it work? Is the user experience great? Do you land on the page? Send it to a few friends, send it to a few colleagues. What's your takeaway from looking at this? Okay, we've got this part right. And then move outwards. Okay, where are we going for the social? How are we going to make it? How is the social going to respond to this page? It's got to direct people to this page so that by the time they already arrive, they already have exactly the process that they need to achieve. And then the other side, the data capture, they're continuing through that journey. It's the same brand experience. They always feel like they've been taken all the way through on a small cloud is ideal. So start at the beginning, start in the middle, sorry, get that part absolutely nailed, then everything else can grow outwards from it. Awesome, thanks James. Um, thanks everyone that's been uh, listening and watching and engaging. Um, and I think this has been really helpful. If there are any questions or concerns about how to maybe start this yourself or have a look at it, um, we would always be happy to go through and just do a quick uh, call and uh, you know, almost like a quick audit and overview of how, what currently you've got sitting in these bubbles and where the, the breaks are in the chains. Um, so thank you very much, James, for joining us. Um, thanks everyone for listening and uh, keep your eyes peeled for the next podcasts, which will be out on liveconsultancy.co.uk.